are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 9th of June. A remarkable evening at the Viv. We'll be talking about it, breaking it down. Game one goes to the Jazz. Two plays that aren't being talked about enough. An overall performance by Donovan Mitchell. Rudy Gobert's late block. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George experience. And a bunch of numbers, because that's what we do. It's locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast of the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan every day, though it can't be much better than it is today. Uh, I'm going to walk through a bunch of parts of this ball game for you today. Uh, two plays that I don't think enough people are talking about will lead off the second segment, one of which I have not heard a single word about. And then we'll run in the third segment of the show today. Uh, we'll do a bunch of kind of uh, quick run through. And uh, obviously, as we always do, we'll have a good little uh, numbers look on things uh, as well. Today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Today's episode, the player of the week coming up later. No question who the player of the night was. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the ultra player of the week. Uh, so first off, the atmosphere was just incredible. I mean, that building was rocking. Jazz fans were back to being jazz fans. 18,100, about 200 people short of our max. Uh, it was electric. It had an impact on the game. It was just absolutely fabulous. So tip of the hat to all of the Jazz fans that were there and tip of the hat to all of you that were listening at home. Also, huge thanks to all of you that tuned into the radio broadcast last night. Watch the national TV, but listen to the radio broadcast. Uh, Ron and I uh, greatly appreciate it. Donovan Mitchell is doing crazy stuff. Truly Crazy stuff. Almost unprecedented. Donovan Mitchell is going head-to-head with stars of the NBA. Kawhi Leonard at one point in time, frankly, Kawhi Leonard going into game five of the second round last year in the bubble was the best player in the world. He had come off a title in Toronto. They were up 3-1. Something weird happened and they fell apart. But truthfully, like he was reestablishing him as the best player of the world in his now in his 10th year in the NBA. Donovan is 24 years old in his fourth year in the NBA and going head to head with star players with continual amazing performances in the playoffs. If you just take since his four of 22 night that he had against the Houston Rockets in Game 5 of the 2019 playoffs that he says changed who he was as a player and all the things he won. Since that day, there have been 12 playoff games for Donovan. He He has scored 34 points a game. He's had four rebounds, five assists a game. He's shooting 51%, 47% from three, and 93% from the free throw line in his last 12 playoff games. He's gone for 57. He's gone for 51. He's gone for 44. He went for 45. And in this year's playoffs, since he's come back, 
He is scoring more points than minutes played. He's averaging 31.3 minutes played. He's scoring 31.8 points a game. He's shooting 47% from the field, 40% from three, and 90% from the free throw line. He completely changed the game last night. And Ron Boone called it. If you go back and on Utah Jazz Radio podcast, listen to the radio broadcast, like Donovan hits his first shot of the third quarter and Ron Boone just comes out and says, well, Donovan's a second-half player. And sure enough, Donovan was a second-half player. Donovan's second-half line last night. And the aggressiveness, the tenacity, the variety of the ways he scored, the reads he was making, getting the right guys on him. He was 11 of 16 from the field. He was 4 of 7 from 3. He had 32 points, 2 rebounds, 3 assists, and a block. He was fabulous. Bonafide, big time, carry your team, best players win games, stuff against two 10-year vets. Just outstanding. The other aspect last night was that Rudy was outstanding. And this is how you win basketball games. Now, there was a lot more to that game, and we'll talk about the other guys because there were a, a lot of jazz players that had just incredible games. But Rudy was outstanding last night and continues to be. He altered the game defensively. He made the massive block late in the game. He, if when, well, We're going to dig into Kawhi Leonard and Paul George's performances um, again and, and look at what, you know, the big question is, you know, will they play like that again is kind of everyone's answer to, like, why the Clippers can't possibly lose this series to the Jazz. Is, well, there's no way Kawhi and Paul George will play that way again. Yeah, there's no way the Jazz are missing 20 or whatever it was straight shots in a row again either. But Rudy Gobert had a massive, massive impact on those guys, how the game was played. And the Jazz, if anything, I would say in the first half, Gobert was over-adjusting or over-shifting. And that was opening up opportunities, and I'll rewatch the game and see if 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 this is actually true. Like if I actually saw this correctly uh, when I rewatched the game. But what I thought in the first half was there were plays where not the where Rudy came into the lane, maybe on guys that weren't necessary. And so in the first half, the Clippers shot eleven of twenty three from three. In the second half, the Clippers shot five of nineteen from three. Now, that could be fatigue. Marcus Morris went 1 of 8 and 1 of 10 in the second half. He's a 50% three-point shooter. I think that's pretty unlikely. On the other end, the other end of this would be that the Jazz kind of made some changes in what they were doing and took away some of their better looks. We'll, we'll, time will tell. And, and the fatigue factor might be very, very, very real in the series, and we'll talk about it upcoming. Derek Favors. Came in fabulous, changed the game, energy, performance, uh, blocking shots. Jazz needed it desperately at that time. Game was kind of in the balance, and Rudy sat down, and Faves was great. Um, Royce O'Neal is just playing with such a maturity and a confidence and a guts to who he is. His rebounding was fabulous in this game, um, truly game changing rebounding. And Boyan Bogdanovich playing defense on Kawhi Leonard and his will to win right now. 
His desire and will to win is just terrific. It's it's off the charts uh, in how hard he's playing and what he's doing. And the Jazz were interesting late. The Jazz, late in the ballgame, interestingly went to a matchup in which they played Boyan Bogdanovich on Kawhi Leonard, and they played Royce O'Neal on Paul George. This actually makes some sense. So if you look throughout the year at these matchups, and you know the sample size is two games, so you have to be a little careful, but you can stretch it out a little bit. Boyan Bogdanovich guarding Kawhi Leonard this year, coming into the night, Kawhi Leonard was two for seven, and the year before he was two of six. So Boyan Bogdanovich has held Kawhi in the last two years as the primary defender to four of 13. And if you recall, when he was in Indiana, he did a nice job on LeBron James in one of those series. Royce O'Neal, who's guarded Kawhi Leonard brilliantly, but has also guarded Paul George brilliantly. This year, coming into this game, Paul George was one of seven when guarded by Royce O'Neal, 0 for 4 from 3, and 1 of 6 the year prior for 2 of 13. And as much as we talk about the Joe Ingles matchup, the fact on that one is that Ingles and Gobert and Paul George have not guarded each other much over the last two years. And the two years prior, Paul George got Joe Ingles pretty good. He went 13 of 23 in those matchups. We'll look at those matchup numbers from last night. But the Jazz clearly had an idea of what they wanted to do. Bogdanovich and Royce O'Neal are the initial defenders on those two players. Now, what's so misleading is when you listen to the, social, the commentaries out there and people talking about the series, well, there's no way Bogdanovich can guard Kawhi and there's no way Royce can guard Paul George. They're not because Rudy is hovering and Rudy is around and therefore that's a part of the equation of who's guarding them as well. And so I think you have to understand, or at least as a jazz fan, listen to those national commentators and understand they don't quite get what we do and how it plays. Your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is unquestionably Donovan Mitchell for an electrifying 45-point carrying the Jazz to the win performance last night. You talk about joy. You talk about happiness. You talk about enjoyment. There was all of it. Donovan playing with a focus and a level of intensity, maybe not as outwardly emotional as he once was, conserving some of that juice, but bringing amazing enjoyment to all of the jazz fans happiness as we left the building it's like Michelob Ultra it's only worth it if you enjoy it and at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories that is what Michelob Ultra is all about enjoyment isn't the end game it's the whole game as joy creates success Michelob Ultra player of the week is your very own Donovan Mitchell Today's show also brought to you by Locker Room. This episode brought to you by Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. Once you're in, you can hang out with all of our lockdown hosts, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time about your favorite team, your favorite sport. All sorts of jet locked on hosts are hosting rooms across Locker Room. So make sure you go grab it. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and, of course, reacting to the big news or rumors. You can even find locked on hosts across NBA, MLB, and NHL channels. So join in. Go to the, 
Download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NFL, MLB, and NHL group for the latest league updates. And I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around the leagues and have great fun with our Locked On team. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. The uh, play, there are two plays that I think change the game. One was the challenge. The Jazz used their challenge early in the game, overturned a foul on Rudy Gobert to a non-foul. Rudy Gobert ends up finishing the game with five fouls, not six. And they takes a puts a bucket on the board, and Rudy makes the free throw, so the Jazz gain three points, and the Jazz, Jazz win by three. And there might not have ever been a more valuable challenge used in the history of challenges. In, in many ways, this won a playoff game. There's a butterfly effect afterwards, obviously, but it's got the Jazz three points and took a foul off Rudy and gave the Jazz, and the Jazz win the game by three, and Rudy ends with five fouls. The other one is the Bogdanovich steal. And it turns out we trail by third, it's late in the second quarter. Uh, Donovan misses a pull up three, there's a battle for the rebound. And they throw a soft across court outlet pass, and Donovan and Bogdanovich steals it, goes to the corner, and hits the three, and the crowd is a, gets electrified. Now, the Jazz still end up trailing by 13 at the half, but it did feel as though that play kind of began to spark the Jazz and their effort and their energy. It just took a little while, and it frankly took Donovan going bananas for it to take place. Uh, and for it to for the Jazz to take off. One of the things that's being talked about a great deal is Kawhi Leonard's night and Paul George's night. Let's dig into both of these a little bit. So Kawhi Leonard goes nine of nineteen, and everyone's saying, "Well, he's going to have to be way. He's going to be much better than that." Well, first of all, nine of nineteen is not terrible. It's forty-seven percent. So if he's going to be better. What he's really going to be is he's going to hit one other shot. He'll be 10 of 19, and then he has a big game. So the first thing the Jazz did is he only got four threes out of his 19 shots. Okay, so that's the Jazz. Jazz allow the fewest three-point shots by, by anyone in the NBA, and the Jazz only allowed him to get four three-point shots. He's not a good off-the-bounce three-point shooter. He's a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, and I think he went two and two. I'll have to check that. Then, in the paint non-restricted area, so, or long twos, he goes two of five. Okay, that's actually what he does. So, 43% long two mid-range shooter, he went two of five. That's, that's exactly what the Jazz want to do with him. He got to the rim nine times last night. That's a lot. The Jazz actually did not bend Kawhi Leonard's shot chart nearly as much as I would hope they would. And Kawhi Leonard went 6 of 9 at the rim, which is league average is 65%, and he went and hit 67%. And he went 2 of 5 because Rudy Gobert exists in the paint, and those shots are not as comfortable. So Kawhi Leonard can have a monster night, but the real numbers here are Kawhi Leonard took 19 shots, And only four of them were threes. So 
he might have not been right, as I've heard people say, and not been as into it. Might be. 100%. 100% might be that that's what the issue is. And the Jazz didn't bend his shot chart nearly the way you'd like them to bend it, but he didn't get his threes up. Paul George, on the other hand, shot chart is completely 100% bent. Paul George took two shots at the rim all night. He took three shots in the paint all night. He went one of six on long twos. And a guy who usually takes about 10 threes a game took eight. And he hit three of eight. So let's analyze his four of 17 that everyone says has to be better. Well, the first thing is if Paul George is going to take 14 of his 17 shots from outside the paint, he's not going to shoot a great percentage. Right? The Jazz, if the Jazz are taking away the, and because of Rudy Gobert around the paint, that's a big issue. Now, this is a reoccurring trend if you look at the numbers from earlier this year. And that is. When Paul jo- when when Rudy Gobert was on the floor this year, Paul George was two of seven in the paint and took over half of his shots as threes against the Jazz. So the, by the end of last night, he takes eight of his seventeen shots as threes. That's fifty percent. And the offensive rating during the season was a one hundred one with Paul George and Rudy Gobert on the floor together. Kawhi Leonard during the year t- shot six of fifteen when Rudy Gobert was on the floor and Kawhi Leonard took a shot in the paint. Just 6 of 15. So, when you start to look at some of these and you wonder, well, there's no way that Boyan Bogdanovich can guard Kawhi Leonard or that Royce O'Neal can guard Kawhi, or Paul George, they're guarding them with Rudy behind them. And that changes everything. So last night, when Rudy Gobert is on the floor the and Paul George is on the floor, the Clippers' offensive rating was a 109. During the regular season, it was a 101, okay? So it was a little better. It wasn't anything crazy or dominating or, or anything of, of that sort uh, in that performance. Paul George, last night, when Rudy Gobert is on the floor, shot 3 of 14. And so when Rudy Gobert was on the floor last night, Paul George took went three of 14. He went, he took 14 eaten shots of which three of them were in the paint. He went 0 of three because Rudy was there. He took all of his mid-range shots when Rudy was on the floor, went one of six, and he went two of four from three. Okay, when you bend someone's shot chart that much, there's actually not that much room. Like, what should have Paul George done? Okay, he probably should have made... One of his two shots at the rim. Okay, he's now four of 14. He probably should have made two of his six mid-range shots. Okay? Now, he's five of 14. But he probably shouldn't make 50% of his threes, so you can either take one of those. So let's just call... So if his shot chart looks like what it does right now, when Rudy Gobert's on the floor... He should regularly go 5 of 14. Gobert forces him to miss a shot or two. He goes 3 of 14. That's the impact that Rudy Gobert has on this. 
is that Rudy Gobert is bending the shot chart of their star players when he's on the floor with them, and so therefore they don't get the same shots they're used to getting. Last night, Kawhi Leonard's credit, he's 8 of 15 when Rudy Gobert was on the floor, and he does most of the damage in around the rim. He goes 6 of 9. A bunch of those were offensive rebound putbacks, things of that nature. Give him credit. He's Kawhi Leonard. He's outstanding. The offensive rating last night when Kawhi Leonard was on the floor and Rudy Gobert was on the floor, which during the regular season was a 104.7, was a 108.3. And Derek Favors was awesome because when Derek Favors was on the floor with Kawhi Leonard, it was a 104.3. And the Jazz were absolutely terrific. Give credit. Here's the other one that's super interesting as we move forward this from a Clipper perspective. Ty Lue opened the game going small. Now, if you recall our conversations this week, and you should listen to every show, but there's a chance you didn't, or there's a chance that you're tuning in for the first time because you're getting ready to call game two. That's certain someone I'm saying hi to right there. In the regular season, the Clippers played Reggie Jackson, Nicholas Batum, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Marcus Morris, which was their starting lineup. 52 possessions all year. They played at 188 possessions in the playoffs. So this is not a lineup that they regularly use. This is not who they were during the regular season. It became who they were against Dallas. And I honestly was surprised that this is the lineup that Ty Lu started with because he's now building off that identity against Dallas as what he's going to be in this series. In the first quarter, that lineup was minus one. In the third quarter, that lineup was minus 10. And in the second quarter, it played for a brief little bit together. It was plus four, and it never played again after that. So for the night last night, that lineup was minus seven. In not very much time. It lasted about six minutes in the first quarter. It played about two minutes in the second quarter, eight minutes, and it played about three minutes in the third quarter. So in 11 minutes last night, that lineup was minus seven. This is a really big part of this story going forward is whether or not Ty Lue stays with that grouping. Now, Kawhi didn't have a great game. Reggie Jackson didn't have a great game. Paul George wasn't great. This is actually how you have to beat the Clippers. They have to have guys who have bad games. They have so many players, so many good players. They have to have guys who are going to have bad games. But here's some weird stuff about last night. Terrence Mann does not play the second half. Luke Kennard plays 17 and a half minutes to close the game, the final 17 and a half. Patrick Beverly does not play the second half. There, Reggie Jackson gets in foul trouble. He lasts almost nothing. And Nicholas Batum checks out at the 10-10 mark of the fourth quarter and never returns. So, one of the things interesting to me is, like, I don't know who the Clippers are at this stage. And I don't know that they are. It also means I don't actually know what their next move is, like, from a... And I'll rewatch the game. We'll do rewatch tomorrow. I actually don't really know what their next move is in the sense of like what their next uh, adjustment is. So that that as well. 
last night I went up and uh, I stayed in uh, the van. We have the van. I love the van. Van's my getaway. Uh, my daughter was playing at a golf tournament, so I wanted to go watch. She was teeing off at 7. I left the arena at midnight. I was like, I'm just going to take the van and sleep in the parking lot of the golf course. And then that's why the podcast is late today. You know what I wish I had taken so badly was my Theragun. Like, I stay on the whole game. I worked out during the day. But that percussive therapy that you get from the Theragun is just like a daily thing that releases your deep muscle tissue tension and absolutely makes you feel a million times better. You see the percussive therapy devices all across the benches of the NBA. Uh, The Generation 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It actually gives a pain release to me and makes me ready to go the next day with 60% deeper uh, penetration and vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or an injury or just stresses in everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun 4. And the old generation for the OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something of the future. It's pretty darn cool. Uh, Theragun, for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your generation 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Get Theragun today. All you bikers out there, the IT band tightness you feel, bingo. All of you have a sore back, but it's actually hamstring or side of hip related, bingo. I've got a really bad thigh. We found out that it actually has to do with my hip and my lower back that's causing a really bad thigh injury. Theragun, it's there, bingo. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now. All right, let's check our betonline.ag lines after last night and see if anything's changed what the jazz win did um to the lines we'll check tonight's games as well and remember with a with the promo code locked on you get a 50 percent welcome bonus uh phoenix is a five-point favorite tonight over denver milwaukee is a four-point favorite against brooklyn tomorrow we are a three-point favorite over the clippers tomorrow for the series we are minus 190 we're still the least likely favorite to win, but favorite. So the Sixers are minus 210. The Nets are minus 435. The Suns are minus 380. And we are minus 190. The most likely NBA final game is still the Brooklyn Nets against the Utah Jazz plus 175. But the second most likely is now the Brooklyn Nets against the Phoenix Suns, then followed by the Brooklyn Nets versus the LA Clippers. And those are the three most likely teams. And the Jazz odds to win a championship right now. To bet 100, you get 325. You up for that? Bet 100, you get 325. It's all betonline.ag promo code locked on gets you a 50% welcome bonus. All right, bunch of little things I wanted to jump on. The, the 20 plus straight misses by the Jazz, I haven't rewatched it. My feeling at the time is, you know, we want to go get 53s up. Uh, we talked a lot about shot distribution. We'll we'll jump on that here in a second. Um, we I think we were almost over eager to go get those threes up. Then when they stopped making, then I thought we started taking bad looks. We took, according to our statistician Andrew Sorensen, we took uh, we opened the game taking three catch and shoot threes or two went two of three on catch and shoot threes, and then took. 15 straight off-the-bounce threes. Okay, we we can make off-the-bounce threes, but if we're going to win, we need to move the ball and get catch-and-shoot threes. That's where we are 
at our best. And the numbers last night on catch and shoot versus off the bounce were, were not really what we want to see. So last night for the Jazz, and we'll go overall and then we'll go player uh, when we look at this uh, last night. And we'll look at the Clippers. I, I thought that going into this, the team that gets the most catch and shoots ends up winning the series. The Clippers got 29 catch and shoots last night. They shot 35% on those, which is incredibly low for them. They're about a 43% catch and shoot team, best in the league. So that's a worrisome number. The Jazz got 21 catch and shoots, eight fewer than the Clippers. So we took 29 off the bounce threes last night. We did make 42 of our things. That's not a great number trend right there for us to see that. We took, we've taken 18 off the bounce threes a game. We took 28 the other night. We only hit eight. That's not a great trend. The Clippers only took eight off the bounce threes last night and they only, and they made four of them. So that, that needs to be, something on our end that we can get better at. Better ball movement, opens up better opportunities, gets us less, just, you know, if Donovan can do it every once, but, and Jordan's shooting about 26% on catch and shoot since uh, the break and was not great in against Memphis and is not continuing. So he's got to figure out what the right way for him to approach this is. You don't ever want to calm Donovan or, you know, kind of quell Jordan because Jordan is Jordan and he hit, you know, after missing seven in a row, he hit three in a row. But his off-the-bounce game, he is seven of 29 so far in the playoffs. So you might like something else out of it. Last night on off-the-bounce threes, Donovan was four of 12. Jordan was two of eight. Joe Ingles was 0 for three. He kept bypassing good looks, taking a dribble to his right and then missing. And then Bogdanovich was two of four. On our catch-and-shoot game last night, which is where the Jazz, you know, really, to me, this is a sign we're moving the ball, we're getting guys that we want to. Last night, Clarkson, 4 of 6, this matches. He's over 40% since the All-Star break on catch-and-shoot, so I love that he did that. Joe, 1 of 4, is just not shooting it willingly or well. Donovan, 2 of 3, Bogdanovich, 1 of 2, and George Niang, 1 of 2. And Royce O'Neal missed his two. Boy, but Royce was great uh, last night. Um, we do need Mike Conley badly in this series. That was clear to me with that game. Uh, I think fatigue is a major player in this series. Um, Mainly on their part, because of the fact that they played a seven-game series, we're playing every other day, and they're going hard. And the other thing is, like Kawhi Leonard's longest stretch of consecutive games played this year was 12. He played his third game to his 15th game, and that was in January. He then sat and played eight straight games. He then sat and played six games. Then he sat and played eight games. And then he sat and played eight games in a row. I think there might be a reoccurring theme there. Then he was out with his toe injury, and then he came back and played six games and sat. So other than the stretch in January where Kawhi Leonard played 13 straight games, all of which he played over 30 minutes but one when they beat Sacramento by 38, so he really he really played. He has not played more than 8 games consecutively since the 20 he played 13 in that stretch. Since then he has not played 
more than eight games, I believe, in any stretch. And he has now played in the playoffs. His next game will be his ninth straight game. And it'll be his ninth game since the 22nd of March. And he has played every other day now for five straight games. That's just not something Kawhi Leonard's done. I think he can, but he's not refined to go do that. Like, I don't think they're going to load manage him in this series, but that is not something that Kawhi Leonard's done. He played eight games. He played eight games. He played... Six games, he played eight games in a row. He played eight games in a row, sat for three, played six games in a row, did not dress. Wasn't a back-to-back, just did not dress. Played eight games in a row, did not play on a back-to-back. Played eight games in a row, played a back-to-back in there, got a three-day break in the middle of that stretch, played a back-to-back. That's the closest stretch we can get to with him. He was brilliant. It's not like his performance dropped off. In those eight games from middle of March to... Uh, the 9th of April, he ended up, he, he was great. He scored 26 points a game. He had, you know, 51 points, 37% from three. He's great. He also got to play Houston in there, which is nice. So keep an eye on that. That's just not something that they've done with him. And this will be his eighth straight game and his sixth straight on with only one day rest. Paul George is a similar story. Paul George's season schedule is he played seven, sat out, played eight, sat out for two, played four, sat out for a bunch, played seven, sat out, not a back-to-back, just sat out, played nine, sat out, played four, sat out, played two, sat out, played three, sat out. And then closed the year at the end of the year by playing nine straight. Check it. Yeah, nine straight. So he hasn't played more than nine straight games at any point. And this will be his ninth game in a row of the playoffs in his next game. Fatigue has got to be a factor for those guys. All right, let's look quarter by quarter. We always like to do that. It gives us a little bit of a feel on how the game went last night. So let's take a minute and and look at this. Here are the advanced metrics quarter by quarter the other night. In the first quarter, when the Jazz missed 20 shots in a row, their offensive rating is a 75, but amazingly, their defense was a 104. That's like To me, that's the most interesting thing of this game is that the, the Clippers are playing off 20-plus straight misses and the Jazz defense holds it a 104. Quarter two, the Clippers offense is a 140, and the Jazz defense offense is a 116. Now, that was discouraging to me. That's where I'm like, wow. We, they're, they're. Quarter three, the Jazz offense is a 152, and the Clippers offense is a 90. A 152 for the Jazz. In the fourth quarter last night, the Jazz offensive rating was a 143. The defense was just a 130. If we play around with the filters here for a second, it's not uncommon that the Jazz have seen switching defenses, had a hard time figuring it out, and then do figure it out. The Jazz offense from the first quarter on last night was a 120. 
Now, the Clippers' offense was a 117, so we better figure out how we're going to stop them. But our offense, and, you know, if we go to halftime, we look a lot better on, on this number from our defensive standpoint. Our defense in the second half was a 115.6. Our, our offense in the second half of the game last night was a 144. So I don't know the answer. I'll have to watch film. Did we break them? Did Donovan just go superhuman? Did they get tired? Or did we get used to their switching? Now, they switched the fifth most of any team in the NBA. They're not unfamiliar with switching. That's, that's, not, a, that's not a problem for them. All right. Final thing we always like to look at is our individual player numbers. Our defensive rating with Royce O'Neal on the floor last night was a 107. Our defensive floor with Rudy Gobert on the floor last night was a 110.9. Our overall defensive rating was a 117. So with Rudy on the floor, was a 110.9. He's having an impact. Donovan Mitchell had a very good defensive game. Our offense last night was peaking out when Derek Favors was on the floor at a 129. One other note on the Clippers, their defensive rating last night when Nicholas Batum was on the floor was a 132. It's probably why he didn't play a great deal, but what does it mean? Also, it wasn't great when Rajon Rondo, and they, had, they went to Luke Kennard, who was so good offensively. That was their best offensive rating all night was with Luke Kennard on the floor, but the Jazz then went at him in every single matchup they could last night. In fact, Donovan Mitchell's damage when guarded by Luke Kennard last night, he went two of four. When guarded by Reggie Jackson, he went three of four. When guarded by Marcus Morris Sr. on a switch, Donovan went five of six. So do the Clippers hold to their switching defense? Kawhi Leonard last night when guarded by Rudy Gobert, four of seven. That matches when guarded by Royce O'Neal, two of seven. Now you go, we go take, take a look back, by the way. Royce O'Neal, in his career now, is the closest defender to Kawhi Leonard. It's now 16 of 46 is what Kawhi Leonard shoots when Royce O'Neal is the closest defender. 16 of 46. The guy who guarded him the most last night was Royce O'Neal. The second most was Boyan Bogdanovich. In about 18 possessions, Kawhi Leonard had five points. Paul George last night, 2 of 7 when Rudy's the closest defender. 0-1 when Royce O'Neal, he takes he got one shot off when Royce O'Neal guarded him for 13 possessions. Joe Ingles had him for 12, he got two shots off and didn't score. All right, those are all the tidbits and news and notes, and hopefully the delayed version of the show is all right. I'll do the rewatch for you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Jazz. The road to the NBA Finals is brought to you by... Michelob at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Congratulations to our Michelob Ultra player of the day. That, my friends, is one Donovan Mitchell. And for you, make sure you enjoy all of our finals coverage here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, brought to you by Michelob Ultra.